I think there's also a fine line, and I think this was really more my point with the album is uh, children. I think they're, you know, children now. I, I see these kids at restaurants. They're being it, it's taken the place of a pacifier, really. Um, yeah. Put the screen in front of the kid, and that's how I'll keep them quiet at this restaurant. And it's just, I think that's where I'm seeing the more of the issue than you know, the adult that has to promote their business and get on social media. I get that. That's a part of, you know, running a business for that matter. But Mm -hmm. some of these young kids that are started so early, and then I see these high schoolers that, you know, don't even look up. They Actually, I walked down the street of uh, Chicago once and counted how many people were actually looking where they were walking versus had their heads down at the phone. And I stopped at 50 and only found four people that were looking at where they were walking. Everybody just walks with their phone in their hand, looking down at, at their phone. It's it's amazing how connected we've become to these things where we now don't even look around to see where you're walking. It's Listen to the Vibes. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Listen to the Vibes. I'm very happy to welcome Mr. Jason Blake here, who plays a guitar called a war guitar, correct? That is correct. All right. I have to ask you, is that a phalanx? Uh, Actually, no. I play the 12-string version, so the phalanx is a 14-string. Oh, okay. And typically, those are tuned all uh, the same, so both sides are tuned the same, so I play... With, where the guitar side, the melody side is in fourths and the bass side is tuned backwards in fifths. So it's going out. So this is one of those ones where you see the, the thickest strings in the middle of the instrument and then it fans out. That's uh, what I'm playing is the 12 string version. So I have uh, an artisan, an artist. Those are the, like the electric and the acoustic versions of that same instrument. Right. If anybody out there is not familiar that guitar gives you the sound of a guitar and a bass. So it, it's a, a very unusual instrument for, you know, one guy to be playing and sounding like two instruments at one time is pretty incredible. But That's what I love about it. <laughs> before we get into all that, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um... Uh, well, from a musical standpoint, I've been playing music my whole life, but I uh, started on piano. My parents got me into music at an early age. Uh, I moved to bass uh, pretty early on. In fact, um, I played upright bass and electric bass and started doing the tapping thing on bass. So uh, looking at like guys like Stu Ham and Billy Sheehan, I was really loving what they were doing. And one day I was playing and somebody said, you know, there's an instrument completely designed for what it is you're doing there. It's called a Chapman stick. So I got turned on to the Chapman stick, bought one. Actually, I started with the eight string version, thinking I was just going to inch my way into it. And started with the eight string. It was called a stick bass and then fell in love with it. Got the grand stick, which I still own that one. And then from there, moved into war guitar, which is very similar to a Chapman stick in the sense that it's got the 12 strings and it's uh, tuned the same way. But there was something about the war guitar that just appealed to me more, the sound, the tonality of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where I 
came into it. So I, I, the piano ended up serving well because the piano is, it's essentially almost like a piano on a guitar neck because you're tapping everything like you would on a play a piano. And I came at it from the bass angle because I was doing the tapping like that. So it just seemed to be the instrument that I was meant to play. Just didn't find it until a little later on. So, Are you playing keyboards on the album? No. I, in fact, I get asked that a lot. Uh, that is always, uh, it's everything I do is entirely on the war guitar. So that's effects. I'm a, a big fan of... I, in fact, I got some of them here. I look when I if I look down, it's because I'm looking at some of my gear sitting here. I've got a bunch of pedals. I, I collect a lot of uh, gear like that. So some of those sounds that I get, and admittedly, they sound like keyboards. They sound like different instruments other than a guitar or a bass. Uh, it's because I'm using different effects, and a lot of them. I'm a big fan of a company named Chase Bliss, and Chase Bliss can pedals are. Um, outstanding for just being creating unique sounds different sounds and so i'm I'm often t- playing with them and finding those sounds that you're hearing thinking that they're sounding like something else it's still yeah. coming from the guitar though that's pretty incredible now i have to say you know for an album that's all instrumental you do something that a lot of people probably find hard to do which is to tell a story without singing and yeah and- you kind of have a story behind the album and uh, I guess if you could explain it to everyone. Yeah. So one of the things that when I'm writing this material, I find it easier to establish a storyline or come up with something at least to guide where I want the music to go. Cause otherwise, I mean, you could just write arbitrary music, but I, I like to have a flow and a sense of purpose for everything so one of the things I do is I, I like to create a storyline first, which gives me that sort of roadmap to figure out where it is I want to take the music. Mm-hmm. Um, for this one in particular, it I just keep seeing more and more of this idea of screens being the all-encompassing thing in children's lives. And it's just, it started this, idea I had and then I don't know where the idea of the Pied Piper came along but I, I was reading the actual story at some point and and you know I, I everybody's kind of heard of it but w- when I actually read the story I started making all sorts of modern connotations to the idea of this guy coming in and leading the rats out of the, the city and then eventually leading the children out and it just made me think like there's a lot of correlations between what the Pied Piper was doing and what technology is doing in a different sense, but just like leading children blindly away from family, away from, you know, comfort and taking them elsewhere. And it just, I got going with that idea and then it just kept building and building. And then I came up with the idea to like, Oh, what if I put this to that's the storyline. And so then the music became, kind of my soundtrack to this idea of a modern retelling of the Pied Piper. Well, I have a three-year-old grandson that lives here with us and he is obsessed with monster trucks. (laughs) He should see his room. It's all monster trucks. And one thing he likes to do is, is he loves watching these videos that are about monster trucks. And so uh, YouTube has, uh, 
just an incredible amount of those kind of videos plus kids that are playing with the monster trucks and doing their little adventures and everything. So he's glued to YouTube every day. Well, and that's what it seems to do though. Like uh, if you get caught in that trap of watching one video and then Mm -hmm. something else comes up, I mean, it's happened to us all. You hours later, you realize what in the world have I done (laughs) than spend hours doing this just watching videos so i mean it's it's also so addictive and so time consuming and um i mean as a result of i I mean i've kind of gone the opposite direction i feel as though because i see so many people around me being addicted to their phones addicted to watching television i have a television i'm not suggesting that i'm living in archaic times but i actually don't ever turn it on i feel like i have something more important to do than and mainly it's playing my instrument and trying to improve on it that I just don't ever turn it on. So when I go onto my phone, it might be for social media for music purposes. But again, I don't even really use a social media account for personal reasons. Um, I, I just tried to do the opposite of it because I just, I see so many people around where they, they spend 15 hours a day on their phones. And it's like, there's mm-hmm. got to be more to life than, than that. Yeah, well, I mean, I'll tell you, I have an iPad that sits right here right by work, and I have videos on YouTube playing all day. Now, about 80, 90% of the time, I'm not really paying attention. It's just noise background, but I do. I have it on all the time, but I'm also always doing editing or trying to get people to come on the show. I mean, there's always something for me to do. Um, I was telling you about my grandson. I will say one thing. My daughter, she has uh, some kind of a parental control thing on there where he's only allowed to watch so much and then it shuts off for the day and he can't get back on it. And he gets pretty upset when that happens, but it, I like that fact because it's like, okay, now you have to go do something else. I think I think you have to now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I, I use that same tool at one point too is i i just think that you you have to start limiting stuff because i feel as though like i said i see these, some of these kids that are just out of control with the amount of screen time that they they, they it devours their day yeah well and embarrassingly enough man i'll have either the tv on or the videos playing while i'm you know i might be doing housework or i'm out in the, the garden working but it's like I always have to have background noise. So that's my addiction. Yeah. I, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I do the same, but I, I like to have music playing. So it's for me, like I, cause I used to, I used to have television on more often than like now I, I haven't watched television, honestly. And I'm not even joking in a couple of years now. I've literally just turned the thing off. I don't have cable. I don't have anything, but uh, music has replaced that. I just I make a point of just putting music on in the background because I, I do still like that noise, like you're saying. You did you do need something. Silence is deafening sometimes. So uh lie. <laughs> <laughs> but music, I don't know, it just seems to inspire me more too with, with what I'm trying to do anyway. And and with the social media, I mean for what I do, it's almost like you have to be on it to promote yeah. what you're doing. Right. But I'll I'll be honest, man. 
I got so sick of it. I stepped away from it for like a month and a half. And I, I just posted a video uh, the, uh, two days ago. And I said I was going to keep putting up my content. But I don't know, man. I'm having a hard time with the whole social media thing. Yeah, unfortunately, when you're trying to do something in the public eye, it becomes this necessary evil. It's, it's, I can't figure out how to avoid it. Mm-hmm. There's a part of me that wishes I could, because again, I don't enjoy that aspect of things. Um, and it kind of goes against what I'm trying to say with this album, even. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, there's, that's about the extent of what I do use it for is just, you, it, it is a useful tool. It's, it's, it's hard for me to completely condemn all these things because at the end of the day, I do use them to a certain extent. Mm. Um, but I think there's also a fine line. And I think this was really more my, my point of the album is uh, children. I think they're, you know, children now, I, I see these kids at restaurants. They're being, it, it's taken the place of a pacifier, really. Um, yeah. Put the screen in front of the kid and that's how I'll keep them quiet at this restaurant. And it's just, I think that's where I'm seeing the more of the issue than, you know, the adult that has to promote their business and get on social media. I get that. That's a part of, you know, running a business for that matter. But Mm -hmm. some of these young kids that are started so early, and then I see these high schoolers that, you know, don't even look up. They Actually, I walked down the street of uh, Chicago once and counted how many people were actually looking where they were walking versus had their heads down at the phone. And I stopped at 50 and only found four people that were looking at where they were walking. Everybody just walks with their phone in their hand, looking down at, at their phone. It's it's amazing how connected we've become to these things where we now don't even look around to see where you're walking. It's a little well, sad. You know, that whole algorithm thing, I still don't understand it, but I was told you have to post about the same time every day and do this that and the other and i i'm sorry it's almost enslaving yeah and i don't want to do that yeah i don't understand that either and to me it just there's a little part of it that just doesn't it's there's no rhyme or reason to it either so that's i never even heard that same time same day maybe that's i'll start doing that it just seems like (laughs) you just never know one day it's this one day it's that i don't i don't get it I I don't get the rules on it, but, you know, and, you know, another thing is that it's like we're bringing up a a generation that doesn't know how to communicate and have real human interaction. Everything is on a screen. I know people that they'll be in the same room, but they'll still text each other. Yeah. I was like, you're sitting right there. Right. Come on. Yeah. Go to a restaurant sometimes and watch couples sit there or watch families sit there and eat. And it, it's it's embarrassing, really, that uh, a couple will be sitting there and they're both on their phone, not paying attention to each other, or a family will all be on their phone. And it's like that whole concept of just communication, uh, time spent with each other, the, mm-hmm. the socialization, I, I just, I do fear for... Uh, what happens when an entire generation has not had the same socialization as we would have had as kids. Now, what happens in the future? And again, that kind of comes back to what this idea of the Selma is, is like, 
if if you've never had a purpose to go and speak in person and communicate with people and and all your communication has been via texting or snapchatting or whatever it is i just don't know how that serves you well in the future i don't know but one thing i can say my wife she has a strict rule when we have our meals together the phones get turned off and you pay attention to each other yeah it's important yeah we have to and we have to go back and i do hope that there's some form of kind of reversal back to that you know things i just i've noticed so many things that you know i always talk refer to the pendulum and how it swings back I, i just i do hope that stuff like this does kind of swing back to a little bit more of a form of normalcy where the 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 family dinner becomes a thing again and Mm -hmm. you know it seems like everybody's so busy that you know one kid's at this sport one kid's at that sport nobody's down uh, sitting down at the table at the same time and when they do they've got a million things going on you know this is a hypothetical family i'm going to talk about but dad's on phone because he's got business still going on uh you know kids are have friends texting them It, it just seems like that's what's becoming more and more what's happening so i'm comedian david race in los angeles i host a celebrity filled paranormal talk show like no other monstrosity has great guests answering weird questions you won't believe the combo of celebrities and paranormal experts who've been on this show i guarantee you'll like monstrosity or you get your time back Go to monstrositypodcast.com right now and take a look. Well, there's a few songs that I'll listen to that will actually bring a tear to my eye. And because I'm a very sentimental person, and I think, you know, my kids are all older. I mean, my youngest is 25. The oldest one's 30. They all, I mean, you know, my daughters have their own children now and that you'll never get that time back and i'll hear a song like cats in the cradle i was just gonna say i knew what you were gonna say because (laughs) it does the same thing for me i (laughs) boy when you follow the lyrics of that song that is that's a hard one to listen to when you get a little older and you start to read and it starts to make sense to you Mm -hmm. yeah I knew you were going to say that one because I feel the exact <laughs> same way about that song. It chokes me up every time. <laughs> I mean, I didn't spend any time with my dad except for when I worked for him during the summers. And even then I was working and he was off somewhere else doing his job, you know? So you, you never get that time back. And I, I, I'm not going to make that same mistake with my grandkids. Mm-hmm. But you um you played for a, a a heavy metal band, didn't you? I still do. Yeah. In fact, we're recording a new album. Um, so it's instrumental. It's it's so. Here's the you know why did I do an instrumental album when I'm in an instrumental band? Well, here's what happened. The name of the band is As You Will Cry. It's a trio: guitar, myself, and drums. Um. We released an album, was it now 2022? No, was it last year? No, 2021. Um, and 
it did really well for us. Uh, in fact, uh, it was named nomin it was nominated uh, instrumental progressive metal album of the year by Sonic uh, Perspectives, and um, did some pretty pro high profile uh, shows with the band and stuff. And then I went in to start writing what would be the next album for that band, and came up with this material, and it just sounded different than the band. So I thought, you know, what, what do I do with this? And I, this is what kind of created this idea of just doing it myself. Um, since then, I found my headspace for the band and wrote all the music for the next album. And we're uh, in the studio right now. In fact, the drums are getting recorded in a couple of weeks. Um, so that band still exists. That's still, you know, kind of my baby little project. But this just became something different. It was just a different beast for me. And, and, and I wanted to not let it go nowhere. So I decided, well, why don't I record it myself? Um, but distance it from the band in the sense that I didn't want the same guys on it because then there would be just too much of a connection. So that's when I reached out to Marco Minimum and had him uh, play the drums on the album and couldn't be happier with a what he did it's i'm so impressed with his drumming always have been um but it just kind of made it a different sound because it wasn't the same guys and and the writing was very different from what i do for asiola cry so it just uh it felt like it would it should be its own thing and that's what i decided to do with it essentially and this is more prog rock metal than just metal right yeah, um, Asiola Cry is progressive metal, I would say. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I don't know, I don't know what this new album would be classified. I I don't feel it's as heavy as Asiola Cry gets. I feel like it's a little bit more, um, maybe notier. I mean, I'm definitely yeah. uh, found every note on the neck on this in this album. There's just a ton of notes. Um, but it was really too about more showcasing my instrument and my playing on it a little bit more like in as you'll cry while i write the music i do play somewhat the role of the traditional bass player because i have a guitarist in, in it as well mm -hmm. so while i might take guitar solos in that band and i might take uh, more of a rhythm approach at times and stuff i do have to hold down the low end of that band with this i just was completely free to do whatever it is that i wanted so all of the the more guitar sounding stuff is still me versus having you know pounding it off on a guitarist so um i found that to be a fun challenge but also uh it, it distanced itself from what i do in the band as a result of that some of it is if i could say kind of haunting when you listen to it yeah so i i've always had this fascination with more darker music in fact that's what the band is asiola cry and that's what i knew some of this didn't belong with asiola cry is because asiola cry has a darker sound to it um what i mean by darker is just i like to take uh you know it, it, like a major scale would never show up in an asiola cry song so uh with this though i felt because i had a little bit more freedom there's there's elements of that haunting 
in there. And that was more intentional based on the storyline. So, okay, I need something to be a little bit more haunting. But I also wanted it to have a little bit of playfulness too, because the story isn't entirely um, dark. And it is about, you know, the idea of the technology is in children's lives, but it it doesn't start out, you know, like a terrifying thing just because uh, technology is in children's lives. So I wanted there to be a little bit of playfulness too. So that's where uh, I feel like there's a big difference, but there are haunting parts meant to kind of show that part like, okay, this is where now it's happening. This is where the kids are hypothetically being let off that cliff, so to speak. Um, but it's not entirely that either. So somewhat of a potential. Are the guys in, in your band, are they like, hundred percent behind you with this yeah because i think they too realized for one it it just didn't sound like what we do in the band and mm. i wrote what i believe it's a killer album our next album is going to be so good so you really can't complain when the stuff they're working on right now is is so good so they're all pumped about that and when, like i said we're we're in fact just yesterday we were trading um back and forth some demos of what they're planning on putting on over the stuff and it sounds so good that like i i think they're very easily we're just like okay that's cute what you're doing but you know they're excited about what we've got going on as well so <laughs> oh, i can imagine them you know sometimes you you need to to let the guys get out and do their own thing and you know it's it yeah. actually opens up for you and and makes you more creative Sometimes i might come up with something new for the band absolutely that, that i felt like that doing this album actually cuz i was i don't want to say i was in a rut that's a that's not the right word but like i i was i didn't know what to do for the next Azula cry record and by making this one, it opened that door. So it it really helped indirectly. It may have at the time felt like one step farther removed from getting there, mm-hmm. but it really didn't. It, I needed to do this because this is what opened up the next door for that one to open up. So at, in the end, it, it just, I think it all worked. So yeah, you don't want every album to sound the same because then your audience is going to grow bored you want some right. kind of change to it i mean look at the the prog bands from canada i mean rush their their sound changed but there you could tell it was still rush triumph it's another band their sound changed from album to album but you knew it was triumph right and, yeah and that's i mean a good example i remember once um reading about uh opeth was going to do the album after watershed and he basically scrapped it all because he thought it sounded this is michael Ackerfeld, felt like it sounded like the same album he was doing again and that's what basically created the uh what was that the heritage album which was like a major turn for them sonically but I get that because I and I felt like that's what I was starting to do is what I was writing for what would have been that next album was um it just wasn't doing it for me. I just didn't feel like this was going to top what we had done. I needed to do something different, and that's what this album was, to kind of get me out of that headspace so that when I came back it was it felt better to approach it in a different way. 
What do you usually do to, to kind of unwind to get away from it? Um, the music or yeah, just, just, just sometimes life in general. Um, well, a couple of things. This is the first part I'm going to say makes no sense, but like I still play music, but I like to just play entirely different music. Um, sometimes, so I, I release a lot of albums that are more considered ambient albums. And I find that to be very relaxing. I can sit here and create, and again, you think it, it sounds like keyboards on this album. I can create sounds that just don't even sound anything like what the instrument was designed to be sounding like. And I, I love, I find it very relaxing creating these soundscapes and doing all this kind of stuff. And so I'll just sit here at my uh, my own home studio creating some of this stuff. And, and I do that quite often. So that's kind of the music thing I do to relax sometimes. Um, but I would say the big thing I do just in life to kind of get away is uh, my wife is from Spain. And so we have a home in Spain. And so we go there and I find that to be the, my relaxing place, my, 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 th my home away from home, but just, you know, going there and living in sun and having tapas and drinking cerveza every day that's that's kind of my <laughs> my escape from everything <laughs> now i i'm a guy who likes all kinds of different types of music and i like jazz i like blues but most of all my my favorite genre is like classic rock you know mm -hmm. but i i love metal uh just about any kind of prog rock you can throw in front of me but i do have some I guess you'd say unusual tastes. Um, I'm a big fan of Tom Jones. Mm. Uh, do you have anything like that in your collection? Um, well, I worked at a record store for my whole uh, college life. So mm. one of the things that happens when you work at a record store is, you, A, you do become a little snobby with your music, but you also, <laughs> your palate grows huge. Mm -hmm. So um, I got into uh, world music. I got into classical music, jazz music. I, I was playing up in college. I was playing upright bass. So I was big into classical and jazz at the time uh, as I was studying for that. So that was a part of it. But then, I mean, a pop song is a pop song. I, I don't know if I've ever actually admitted this in an interview, but my favorite song, I think the best song ever written is Chris Isaac's Wicked Game. Oh, I love that I song. Listen, I can listen to that song on repeat all day long and never get bored of it. I just think it's the best song that's ever been written. And so, and, and yet it's a million miles away from what I do. Mm -hmm. so the, it's just, yeah, I, I find that uh, it's good music is good music, no matter what it is. And so, uh, like I said, working at the record store, though, just opened my eyes up to so many different styles and, and different things like that so yeah i know growing up the the group that i hung out with was mostly headbangers and any kind of music outside of that they just thought oh and that's nerd music why are you listening to that but you know secretly i was listening to stuff like cutting crew and <laughs> like that kind of cool you know duran duran i thought they were a good band yeah <laughs> yeah, especially like the 80s I, I you know you get a little older you become very nostalgic for mm -hmm. it, your youth i guess and and just things of the past and 
I've been revisiting a lot of 80s music lately because mm -hmm. I just think that, you know, for as much as maybe the look of things was a little, you know, it, it can be outdated now. The music itself was so good. And, and so much of the stuff being produced today, kids don't even realize they're completely ripping off things that were done before. I, I mean, I hear straight up riffs that are being taken straight from old songs and, and trying to be pawned off as they're, they're brand new. And it's like, no, I remember that. That came out and here it is, 1980, whatever. So, and I mean, it goes back to 70, 60 suit, but point is, is like, yeah, I just, I'm, I think that's some great music back. Yeah. I was in high school in the eighties. So yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, now, a lot of us go through things in our lives um, and we've overcome quite a bit. Has there been anything in particular in your life that you've had to, to deal with? Um, I've led a pretty blessed life, I would say. Um, there was a time, so one of the things in, in everything, my mother taught me at an early age, everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. and I've always believed that. Uh, but I was, this the band, in fact, this is somewhat bizarre, but there's a 14 year gap between Azula Cry's last album and the one we just put out in 21. And the reason for that is that I uh, went through a divorce that lasted four years and was a custody battle from hell. Uh, and I, the things that I, I kind of took from it is one, uh, it's amazing what you will do for your child. Um, and two, uh, I guess what, you know, the old saying, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Um, it, it was, it was pure hell for four years, mm -hmm. uh, without going into details of, you know, just how ugly it got. But, um, that was definitely like, I would say the roughest time I experienced because you're doing what is right, but there's there's so many there's so many components i mean the legal system the, all that kind of stuff that just uh is is terrible uh and is not designed with perfection in mind i, I guess that's just what i'm gonna say um so in the end um i would say that everything panned out as it should be and everything was great um, but those four years, I mean, that was, that was, it took me away. It, it took me so far out of the music that like the 14 year gap is because of that. I literally had to put the instrument down because I was spending so many days in court and so many, uh, so much of my time doing so many different things, like going back to school to try to, uh, reestablish myself. And, and so, so, it was a rough time, let's put it that way. And and so basically music had to take the back seat because there just wasn't time for it. And so it was uh, kind of nice to get back to it because it, it finally put everything in the rear view mirror. So, uh, but yeah, I would say that was the most difficult thing that I have had to overcome. And it's, it's hard. And I mean, in the end, 
without talking specifics of custody and all that kind of stuff. It's it's a lot more difficult for males in yes. case custody battles. And when I tell people how things went, sometimes they're a little surprised because it's like I I um like I said, things went well for me in the end, but it was definitely like a rough road to where to get there. So and when you're doing this all, like I said, on behalf of your child and what you you know, you know is right and you you're doing good by her, it it, it it's worth it. Mm-hmm. But doesn't make it any easier going through the process, and especially like like how long this thing went on for is just it is what was pretty much insane. The amount of money and time it just was unbelievable. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean because I went through that with my first wife, and I, uh, like you, I don't want to get in specifics. Uh, I don't want to embarrass her. I mean, there were some circumstances behind why I felt I I needed custody and the mediation. uh, It's almost as if my lawyer turned on me while we were in mediation and they're saying, well, you know that the the woman is just about always gets custody of the child. And I'm like, I'll take my chances in court, but we can end this right now. And I said, I'll take my chances in court. And they did everything they could to try to talk me into just signing over custody. And I just wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And and don't get me wrong. There's good moms out there that definitely take good care of their children. But dads out there, it's worth fighting for. And don't let them talk you into anything that you don't want. Right. It's, yeah. I, I, so that that's kind of similar story what you're saying is just that you know you you have to end up doing what it is that you believe is right and not necessarily listen or um, you know you can't go on the internet and look at the stats or anything like that because it's it just yeah. uh, so in doing what you believe is right and fighting and, and that's kind of like what i meant by everything happens for a reason because I, I do believe I've become a much stronger person, a much more driven person. Uh, in fact, some people who would look at me today versus me 10 years ago, wouldn't recognize the same person. And I think a lot of it is because of what I went through. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it changes you as a person, but I would say that I would never want to do this again. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I but, hear you. But I came out a stronger person. I came out a better person. And I think as a result of that, uh, you know, I, I, I can look back and say that it happened for a reason. And I'm, I'm thankful for where I am right now. So well, I had to do a lot of soul searching. I had to change my life up. I, you know, I was a drunk and a, and a drug addict and I sobered up when it came to my kids. I needed to be a dad for them. And I'm not going to lie, I made bad choices when it came to relationships. But once it was affecting my kids, I was out of there. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not going to be with somebody that's not going to be supportive of my children. It took me 10 years before I found the right woman. But, of course, my kids are already grown by then. But still, um, I wasn't going to let that ruin my kids' lives. Um, 
being single and being a dad, how was it for you? You know, again, it, it's, it's after that, that, uh, but I, I wouldn't have changed anything for the world. In fact, you know, my daughter always says like, you know, she thinks the same way things happen for a reason. And what that did was make us so incredibly close that it's, it was meant to be this way. And ultimately, so, yeah, I wouldn't, I wish that on any child or or anybody for that matter but i i think that it worked somehow in this situation in the end um my daughter and i are just so incredibly close and uh i think a lot of it was that us it being us too and and feeling a little bit of a sense of like we can do it and we and we're going to do it together kind of a thing and that just built a little bit more of this togetherness and i don't know it just it really it's like i said in hindsight all of this stuff happened for a reason and so now it's like uh i can't look back at it with the same negativity as when i was experiencing it which was hell (laughs) so yeah i I totally understand. How many boys did you have to threaten to beat up? (laughs) (laughs) It's not easy having a a daughter and and letting them go date. That's for sure. (laughs) No. Well, yeah. Well, for me, we we've spent so much time together and she uh, went off to college and that was, that was it. That was the rough time for me. Like, Oh my goodness what do I do now? She's always been around and and we've, you know, like I said, we were two, been two peas in a pod for so long. So now it's like figuring out, uh, I guess, play more music, right? Yeah. No kidding. Now I'm pretty sure it's hard to pick one specific, but what's been the most proudest moment you've had with your daughter? Um, You know, I, I don't know about it. It's, what's why it's going to be hard to pick one is my daughter makes me proud every single day. My, I I know everybody probably says this, mm-hmm. and so this is going to sound so cliche, but my kid is the best kid ever, and I, and I I'm going to give a little bit of a pat on the back to myself because I feel like you know I did play a large role in this, but she amazes me every day with just like she's like all the things that you you think you're teaching your kid but you're not sure they're actually absorbing it she really has run with it and and so i'm just going to give you an example of one of these things but like i always taught her that that my whole purpose as your father is to prepare you for the time that i'm not there and i don't mean the time like i'm passed away but like you know i can't be there like when you're a young kid obviously i'm taking care of your day-to-day and all that kind of stuff so the day i drove her to college she um we said our goodbyes and she said look in your email when you get home and so when i got home um she had this five-page letter waiting for me and it started with you always said that your job in life was to prepare me for the day that you would no longer be there and that day has come. And so I just want to thank you for the things that you've done. And she went through five pages. I got to tell you, by half a page, I was weeping like a 
baby i i it was just so well written and so like it made me so proud that like all the things that i had done all that i it it was it i don't know i can't even describe it it's just like i knew that she's going to be all right this i i did my job and this kid is more than prepared and she knows exactly what she's got to do in life and and it's still so now she's there and she's like it still amazes me what she's accomplishing right now so i think it's if kids are amazing i just think that you know they uh they'll always surprise you i guess in the end and and to do things that are just like she makes me proud every day that's awesome well i'd say uh i feel the same way but i have to say my my daughter um you know, finishing high school and going on to have a family, but to uh, work her way up and become a manager at a bank. I mean, she's she's got two great kids. She's got one who's um, autistic, but she, I have to give it to her. She doesn't treat him any different. She makes sure that she treats him just like she does the oldest. And uh, she's a great mom, and it, I, I, I'm so proud of her. And she's—I I say she's succeeded in spite of her father. <laughs> it's great. It is great being a dad. Yeah, and plus all the great dad jokes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> those are becoming popular right now. I'm not, or not just now. I've, I've noticed there's a resurgence of that kind of stuff. That seems to be very popular right now. Uh, so I might be popular again. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, the, the name of the album is Subsequent Ruins. Correct. And it's coming out on St. Patrick's Day, huh? Yeah, I don't think that was planned, but kind of funny that it is. <laughs> uh, so I thought so, maybe there was some Irish roots there or something. No, and it's got like there's some green on the cover too, which makes it even look more like it was planned, but it it's not. We don't have to pinch you that day then. <laughs> <laughs> and that's awesome. Um now do you have a website? I do. Uh jasonblakemusic.com. Um the band is at aziolacry.com. Nobody knows how to spell aziola. It's a z i o l a c r y dot com. Um uh, but my site uh is a good place to go to send you off in the right direction of either it be the record label that which is uh 7d that's trey gunn from king crimson's record label that's who put out this album or uh my social media stuff is all kind of connected to that as well so where to buy the album all that kind of stuff is there so that's a good hub to go and jason blake music well, I'm going to put those links in the description to make it easy for folks to find it and uh, say the album be coming out on the 17th of March. And yeah, bef- week and a half now. Yeah, yeah, it's getting pretty close. And before we end, um, do you have any words of wisdom you'd like to pass on to the audience? Uh, in general or music related? In general. Well, actually, I'm going to say something that relates to both of them, okay. uh, because I do believe it's just a general sense of what I've come to find out 
in life, and it really pertains to the music thing, is that I think persistence is the key. I, I think that, the, especially now, I see a lot of kids being lazy in the sense of if they don't do something very well, they quit. And I, to a certain degree, I was somewhat that. It was a kid. If I was good at it, I liked it, and I might pursue it. If I wasn't, I didn't pursue it very heavily or I had no interest in it. And I found through the music and I found through just things in general life as well, the more you stick with something, the better off you are and, and the, the more return you get up ultimately. So I think when it comes to like the music thing, I think a lot of people are real quick to give up easily because it is, it's a, it's a very difficult business to get into from the sense of like, you're going to get knocked down more than you're going to be praised for anything. And so, uh, but sticking with it, you get that little foot in the door that turns to this, that turns to that. And it's amazing what kind of happens as a result of that. And I think that applies to life in general, just, you know, whether it be your job or anything that the more you stick with things and the more you keep, keep at it, I think it does reward is there for those that work hard and, and try to achieve something through that persistence. So I've learned that. I hope that uh, more people kind of pick up on that is I, I think we just as in, in general, especially with the short attention spans we now have and things like that. I think we just, we don't have that see through that we, that we should. Yeah, you're not lying. Well, man, I can't thank you enough for spending your time with me today and with the audience. I've really enjoyed talking to you, and I, I highly recommend this album. I enjoyed every moment of it, and uh, I will be jamming it, jamming to it this weekend when I'm barbecuing. So Nice. <laughs> I appreciate that. Oh, man, my, my pleasure. And I also want to thank all you folks out there. If you are new to the channel, uh, please come back. Hit that subscribe button for my usuals. And you guys are awesome because you make it possible for me to do this. So until the next one, everyone, please take care. Be kind to one another. God bless and peace. Peace.